and stuff. So, so over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about quite a bit of stuff. And uh, last Sunday, we weren't able to get through the whole message. But if you were, um, you can go to Amazing Grace Church Media. And um, the audio from a week ago, Thursday, is on there, so you can listen to it from there, the whole message. Um, So, you know, we've talked about the perfect fit, and then last week we talked about situational parenting. But in all of that, the, the one thing that has to stand out is no matter if you're married or you're single, divorced, widowed, no matter what, the important thing is that, that you work on you. Yeah. And so tonight, we're going to talk about the invested life. Yes. Um, investing in yourself. You know, if you don't invest in your, nobody else is going to invest in you. Right. I mean, you can even come here to church and, and you know, a pastor can preach to you or the, whoever's ministering can give you the word. And But if you're just going to sit there like a lump on the log and not take notes and not listen and go, yeah, yada, 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 blah, 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 whatever, <coughs> then, yeah. you know, you're not, you're not making the investment. I right. mean, whoever's up here speaking, giving you the word, can be pouring their heart out and working like a horse to get this to you. But, you know, you know the old, the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Right. So exactly. it ha- you have to make the investment. Yes. And um, so, you know, invest in yourself first. And so that's why... Tonight, we're going to talk about um, what you need. What does that look like? What does the invested life look at like? So I like definitions because if I don't know what it means, then I don't know how to relate to it. So the word invest means to commit, to make use of for future benefits and advantages. So what I'm doing today, like Pastor was talking earlier about the ties, it's for the future. It's not for right now, but it's for the future and generation after generation. But also in my spiritual walk, what I'm doing today or don't do today is going to affect me tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. So when we talk about making an investment, we're talking about to commit, to make use of for future benefits or advantages. In Hebrews chapter 10, 22, 22 through 25, this is out of the New Living Translation, Hebrews 10, verse 22. It says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciousness have been sprinkled with Christ's blood. Can everybody say amen? Thank amen. you, Jesus. To make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. And let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So, in that scripture, in those scriptures there, there's three things that we want to cover tonight that's in those scriptures. So, you know, you make an investment in your life in these three areas. So taking notes tonight, this is what you're going to want to write down. We're going to talk about tonight the word life, the worship life, and the prayer life. Now, obviously, those three areas that you're making an investment in, I mean, you could do weeks of series on the word life. Right. You could do weeks of series on the worship life, in which uh, Chuck just did three weeks of two weeks. Two weeks. Of a series on that. 
you could do weeks of series on the prayer life. But so we're just going to hit it tonight and Sunday really quick and just give you a taste of what you can have. You know, I remember when we first got married. I mean, I I was in uh, I was attending the church that my parents helped start. He showed up. You know, we met, we got married. And I mean, even though I mean, I had heard of Kenneth Copeland, I've heard of Kenneth Hagen, I had heard I don't know if I'd heard of Jerry Savelle, but you know, Joyce Meyer, I'd heard of all of these people, but you know, I wasn't really committed to the message of faith. You know, I mean, I believed in faith, but I wasn't really committed to that. And so, of course, we got married and we took off within seven days to go to the other side of the country, down on the border, the other side of the desert, and to an area that barely spoke English and spoke a lot of Spanish. So I, you know, I'm sitting in the services, not really understanding what's going on. Um, so I was really depending upon my, my, my own devotional life, which was very nominal. It was very, very small. And, but this man, he was in the word and he was memorizing scriptures. And not only that, but he was listening to tapes. You know, back in those days we had tapes And uh, so he was listening to tapes. He was listening to Brother Copeland. He was listening to Kenneth Hagin. He was getting tapes from people, uh, Joyce Meyer. And so all, not Joyce Meyer, uh, Marilyn Marilyn Hickey. Hickey. So, you know, all these, and and I saw that he was growing. He was growing spiritually. And I was like, gee, I want that. Now, just because he was growing spiritually, that didn't cause me to grow spiritually. Yeah, right. Right. And again, we talk about that God doesn't have grand, grandchildren. You know, it, it, it doesn't work by osmosis. Just because I'm standing close to him doesn't mean that it rubs off on me. So I had to make a commitment that in my life, I was going to have to get into the word. Yeah. I was going to have to pray. I was going to have to have worship time. And when that began to happen in my life, I began to see changes then in my own life. So, so the... I read an article the other day that they asked uh, parents, what's your number one responsibility? And they said to the, the parents said back, well, to raise our children right. And they said that's absolutely wrong. The number one responsibility of a parent is to raise themselves right. And that children will take care of themselves. If you take care of you, your marriage will be fine. If you take care of you, then your children will be fine. Your finances will be fine. Everything will fall into place. It's when we focus on all those other things and we spend all our time trying to fix those things, which you have zero control over. Right. I mean, you know, you have some measure of control in your household with your kids, but the best control that you have is your prayer life. And so, you know, the the thing that we have to remember is, is that it's us that needs to grow close to God, that we're the ones with the authority and power. So we've got to draw closer to him. So the number one responsibility of a parent isn't just to raise their children. It's to get in the presence of God. It's to grow. It's to be strong spiritually. Now, here's the thing. If you seek after all those other things first, none of those things will be added to you. It's sort of a backwards proverb that Jesus said. He said, if you seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added to you. If you don't seek, if you seek all those other things first, none of these things will be added to you. So you'll lose everything trying to If a man tries to, the passage says, if a man tries to save his soul, guess what happens? He loses his soul, right? Right. And, you know, the soul is the mind, will, and emotion. So if you try to save your mind, you're going to lose your mind. Mm -hmm. 
So what you and I, we have to do is not try to just, not just try to save all this stuff that's going on around us, but what we have to do is get lost, grow in the presence of Christ, grow in our relationship with Christ. And so Sharon talked about, you know, spending time in the Word, and uh, I, I love, you want to read that passage out of Psalm 119? This is out of Psalm 119, or yeah, 119, verse 9. This is out of the Message Bible. It says, how can a young man or a young person live a clean life or an older person? By carefully reading the map of your word. Yeah. So the psalmist here was asking God, how do we live a clean life? We live a clean life by carefully reading the map of your word, of God's word. Amen. So this is a great time to be thinking about for 2018 to read through the Bible next year. And uh, the best way to do that, and the great way to do that, in my opinion, starting out, we have two ways that you can do it through the church. One is you can connect with, the, uh, you can do it through um, Version, which has a one-year Bible plan. They give you the verses. They show you what you read. You can even have them emailed to you every day and read them. You can listen to them every day. Uh, it's really easy to do, takes, you know, depending on your skill for reading, can take between 15 minutes to a half hour. Or we provide papers out there that have all the reading plan on it. And some people like to just read out of their, you know, their paperback Bible. I, I tend to do more electronic reading, but um, we just absolutely believe in it. And you'll read through the Bible. Brother Osteen, he taught us that, John Osteen, he taught us that, you know, if you'll read four out of the Old Testament, four out of the New Testament, one Psalm and one Proverb, you'll read through the whole Bible in a year. You'll read through the New Testament like two or three times. You'll read through the Proverbs. No, you'll read through the Psalms uh, every you, month. You'll read through the Psalms. Oh, no, once a year. Once but you'll a year. read through the Proverbs, Proverbs every month. Every month, yeah, there's 31 of them. And so uh, you'll, you'll continue to go through the Bible. And that's, a, that's an easy reading program. But the big thing is, is to get into the Word, is to, is to let the Word get into you. And I think at times what happens is because it's like, this is like I talked about giving. Sometimes we look at our Bibles like, well, you know, we'll say stuff like, well, it's hard to understand. Well, one is, yeah, it is hard without the Holy Spirit, and the Holy, you have the Holy Spirit who will help you understand it. And that's the thing that we start with is that, man, you got to let the Holy Spirit do what He needs to do. There is so much in the Bible to, that's, that's miraculous. And I don't mean just the miracles that happen, but the whole book is miraculous. I want to just throw some thoughts at you. This will blow your mind, all right? A professor emeritus of science at Westmore College, his name was Peter Stoner, he decided to do a study on how many, what would be the, uh, the factors that would be involved in someone fulfilling eight prophetic things in their life, that there were eight prophecies, okay, that were over their life, and what would it take, what would be the probability, okay, is everybody with me right now, the probability of that happening. So as he did this study, he had a bunch of college students that were involved with him and uh, to help him pull this together. So here's what he came up, they all came up with. One man fulfilling eight prophecies is a 1 to 10,017 power exponent, okay? That's a 1 with 17 zeros after it. Now, to just kind of put this into an idea of how that would ha- what that would look like in the natural for you and I, if we took one silver dollar and we marked it and dropped it from a plane, and excuse me, if I got to start over, pardon me. If you filled the if you filled Texas with silver dollars, the whole state, okay, at a level of two feet deep, 
that would be 10 to the 17th power, all right? If you took one silver dollar, you marked it and dropped it from an airplane. Then you stirred all the silver dollars up, you blindfolded a man and turned him loose and had him bend over and pick up the marked silver dollar. That is about the same as one man fulfilling eight prophecies. So you, you know what? It's impossible. But with God, all things are impossible. Did you know that Jesus fulfilled 353 prophecies? You figure the probability of that happening. You know, somebody the other day, I was, they were saying, well, we're not sure, you know, if Jesus really, you know, existed. And they've argued that for the years. Well, there's so much historical evidence that he existed. And I can't believe that all these people that gave their lives for the sake of the gospel did it just because of, there's just too much continuity to the story of what, of what has happened. Now, listen, in, in the Bible completely, according to the Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy, it lists that there are 1,239 prophecies in the Old Testament, 578 prophecies in the New Testament for a total of 1,817 prophecies that encompass 8,352 verses. Now, I know that's a lot of information. It's really, it really is kind of beyond our scope of understanding. But here's what I, want you to, what I want you to get out of that. When you're reading the Bible, you're not reading the words of men. You're not reading the Iliad and the Odyssey. You're not reading the tale of two cities. You're reading the words of God that are inspired by God Almighty. So when you open that book up or you turn that electronic Bible on, you start going through that, that's God talking to you. It's even, and you say, well, yeah, but it happened already. It's already, yeah, but it doesn't matter because Jesus is the same yesterday Today and forever, according to Hebrews 13, 8. So the same Jesus that talked to the disciples is the same Jesus that will talk to you when you read your Bible. Right. So, but what does that have to do with me today? Well, listen, God, in Jeremiah 29, 11, listen to the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are, now this is a, this is a prophecy, okay? This is, this is God speaking to you. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So if you're sitting here tonight and you say, I don't know what my future is. I don't know what my hope is. As you're reading through the Bible, journal. We used to call it, you know, keep a diary. But, you know, anymore we call it journaling. Get you a notebook. You know, pastor uses a, a, a legal pad is what he uses at times. And so I use, I use those journal books. And just start journaling. Date it at the top. Journal it. And for I, I double dog dare you to do that for on. one year. Yeah. And as you're journaling, write down the scriptures. As you're reading through the Bible, go, wow, that's a really interesting, this 2911, Jeremiah 2911. Write that down tonight. Yeah. And look at that every day. Think about that scripture. What's the future? What is the hope that Jesus has for me in this next year? Amen. What, is he, what plans does he have for me in this next year? And then as you begin to read the scriptures day in and day out, and as you begin to meditate on those things, as you begin to ponder and think about those scriptures, <coughs> write down what you feel like it's saying to you. And then at the end of next year, at the end of 2018, go back through that journal and go, wow. Mm-hmm. Look what God said to me in this year. And that not only, not only will you hear what God's saying to you, but you're going to begin to see things change yeah. yes. in your life. Because listen, the written word and the spoken word together is dynamic. Yes. 
the written word and the spoken word together is dynamic. It's mighty. And it can change your life. It can change the course of your life that you're on right now. Uh-huh. So maybe you're sitting here, no matter what age you are, maybe you're sitting here tonight going, I don't, want to know, I don't know what 2018. Yes, you can know what 2018 is going to bring you. A hope. Yes. And a future. Yes. Amen. And so we talk about confessing the word over your life. As you read the word, you confess the word. You say, and what the confession of the word really is, the word confession in the New Testament is the word homologia. It's two words, and it's to say the same word. So it's for you to say what God just said, okay? So if God says, by, your, by uh, my stripes you're healed, then your response is what? By his stripes, I am healed, okay? So you're saying the same thing that God says. So when you and I, when we read the word, we homologia with it, we confess our faith in what his word in what his word says. And you know, I grew up, I grew up going to church. I never heard anything like that. I mean, ever. Did you ever hear anything like that, Mark, growing up? I never heard anything like that. I mean, I'd go to church and and I'd sit and hear sermons, and I knew the preacher confessed the scriptures, but I never heard it that we had to do anything with that in our, they never even encouraged us to read our Bibles. I mean, it was just like, we'll tell you what it says. So, you know, we would confess scripture when we do responsive readings, but that'd be about the extent of it. So I just encourage you to confess. To me, I just, I find this, the Bible such a fascinating, I mean, I've read through it, I don't even know, but I probably read through it, let's see, I've been a Christian now for 40 years, yeah, and so I've at least read it 40 times, and I'm going to guess maybe maybe more like 50. So, And I never, I always learn. I've got Bibles that are marked up, marked up. I give them away because I just have, you know, just have stuff sitting around everywhere. I probably have a whole cow worth of cow skin Bibles, you know, from, from all the years of reading Bibles. But I mark them up and give them away to other people because... It's not, and, and I agree with Sharon, the journaling, looking back, you do look back. But the thing is, is that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's new every morning. So you can't always rest on yesterday's right. promises. Right. You got to go with the new freshness of today. And, uh, and I'm going to throw this plug in too. The best time to read the word is when you're freshest. So I don't, wherever, whenever that is, and don't tell me before you go to sleep at night you're freshest because I know that's not true because you're, you're thinking about going to sleep. So when you're freshest, that means that first things that you do is going to set the pace for the rest of your day. And I think it has to happen in the morning. I think that's where, you know, or if you're, you, you work out, you get you that Bible on audio. You can get it right in you version for free. All that's free. You put that on. You listen to that while you're working out. All right, the next part is not only the word life, I could go on and on about that, but the worship life and where worship, and Chuck did such a great job talking about worship and having intimacy with God in our worship. Go ahead, you had a couple of things with this. So out of our word life comes our life of worship. Yes. All right, there's not a time that I don't read the word of God that worship doesn't start swelling up. You say, oh, you have music, you know, all of a sudden you start singing. It's not about singing. Right. It's about giving thanks. Yes. Whenever I read, like, whenever I found that scripture, 29, Jeremiah 29, 11, I was like, oh, out of that, out of reading that came a heart and a gratitude of thanks, of praise. Yes. Of worship. Yes. So all of a sudden I began to say, thank you, Father, that 
you, you know my future. I don't have to worry about my future. You have plans for me. I don't have to worry about that. You're going to take care of it, you know? And so out of, out of my word life comes my word. You can't have worship without the word. Right, right. You can't. You can't have worship without the word. Jesus said, those that worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. <coughs> the truth is his word. Yes. So you can't have worship without, oh, we just want to come and we want to worship. Okay. But you got to have some word out of that. Either the songs have to be filled with word. Right. You know, so many songs that we sing anymore, they're ballads. You know, that's, it's a story. It's a storyline. And, 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 and it's, it, it pulls at the soul. But whenever you sing a song that's full of the word, yes. the word of God, it says something to you. Like whenever we sing songs about victory, mm-hmm. whenever we sing songs about overcoming, whenever we sing songs about who Jesus is, all of a sudden there's something on the, our spirit man rises up on the inside. Yeah. Because it's, you know why? Because your spirit man is born again and your spirit man is like Jesus. Yes. And so your spirit man is waking up and saying, yes, yes, I agree with that. Yes, I, your soul's going, what? 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 What are we doing? What are we doing? Right. Your mind's going, what? 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 But you let it, you let it rest a little while. Yes. And all of a sudden, your, your soul, your mind is going to go, yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. And so pretty soon, your mind is going where your spirit's going. Yes. So the word, the word um, and if you look at Acts 13, and if you just mark this down for later, but Acts 13 is really the New Testament model for the church. And it's the Antioch church. And it says that they ministered to the Lord there. And then God began to speak. And the word ministered there is a Greek word that means liturgio. And what liturgio, and we get the word liturgy from it that we've used in the church for years, liturgio means the work of the people. So the word is the inward inward work. Your worship is your outward expression. Okay? So the word is the inward work. The, the, the worship is the outward expression. We're real careful in our church about what songs we sing. Chuck does a really good job with this because we just don't want no, we don't want any doubt and unbelief in any of our music. I mean, because it, because it can, you know, if we start singing blue despair and agony on me. I mean, you know, look, we're going to pass me not old gentle savior. Hear my humble cry while and others are waiting. Please don't pass me by. And then we whine out savior for three stanzas. You might know though you may not know those songs, maybe you do. But the thing is, is that Jesus is not going to pass us by. Right. So we don't want to create that culture because see that's that inward, that's the inward work. Right. And then the outward expression is the work of the people. So your worship, and, and I think this is one of the things Chuck does a really good job of talking about, is this just isn't the sing, the lift the hands, it's not all it's all the things that you do for God. It's how you live your life for God. It's how you witness. It's it's how you serve in the church. That's the work of the people. That's our work together as God's people and we, as we worship. And God speaks through that. That's the powerful thing. If you follow that Antioch, it's all right there in chapter 13 in the beginning. But if you look at that, God did, God did not speak until the people did the work. In fact, that Ephesians chapter 4, which is a great passage, talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that our whole job is to equip you to do the work. So, amen. It's not to equip you so you can let us do the work. It's to equip you to do the work. 
Because you can win people to Christ. Because you can pray for the sick. Because you can cast out devils. Because you can speak in new tongues. Because you can preach. Look, everybody here can preach. Not everybody's called to preach, but everybody can preach. All right? And if you're, you know, it's like, um, it's like uh, what T.O. Osborne said. If you struggle with the word preach, just drop the P and go for reach. And so I agree with that. Look, everybody can reach, can't they? So worship is extremely important to our lives. I, true worship is yielding to truth because you can't have worship without truth. There has to be that level of transparency, transparency that level of intimacy that you have with God. I, my favorite, one of my favorite uh, beatitudes is, blessed are the pure in heart for they'll see God. If you read it in the Amplified, it says, blessed are the transparent for they're going to see they're going to have they're going to see God in their lives. See, it's through our transparency, it's through our intimacy with God that you and I, it's through that truth, yielding to that truth. I don't always, you know, it's like someone said that you the truth will make you free, but it might make you miserable before it makes you free. And has anybody found that to be true? I don't always like to hear what the truth is because the truth sometimes is like, well I well I'm doing that. I remember we were in a church service and um they were praying for the sick in the front. And I mean, miracles, they were praying for people to have miracles. And it, was, it wasn't here. It was at a full gospel businessmen's meeting. And I was in the back. You know, we weren't involved in what was happening. We we're just laughing and talking. And, you know, and, and, and the guy stopped. And he said, hey, he said, I, all you guys that are talking in the back, I want you to know that you're disrespecting the anointing of God in this place. And, there are, and I'm like standing there and I'm, a, I'm guilty and I'm like standing there thinking, oh my gosh, how dare he call us out? And, you know, and I paid for this to be, I paid my meal and gave my offering. And I have the, you know, all the stuff we think about. And, and he said, you need to stop it right now because you're hindering what God wants to do in this place. And then I realized he's right. And I looked over at the guy next to me that we were laughing and goofing off with. And I said, you know what? He's right. We just need to respect what's happening here. So, and, and, you know, Lord, give us a church that everybody's like that, that has that attitude, that we would just, you know, take those kinds of things when they happen and say, you know what, you're right. We didn't do that right. We got to get this straightened out. So it, truth worship is yielding to truth. I love this quote. Sharon's got a couple here. She'll show you. To worship is to quicken the consciousness by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God to purge the imagination by the beauty of God and to open up the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God. Powerful quote. So, you know, in my own life, you know, and, and, I, and I know that whenever we talk about worship, a lot of times we talk about it, you know, in the scope of that we're coming here on Sunday mornings or Thursday nights to worship. But for me personally, I mean, I have, I have worship when I get in the car. I have worship whatever I do my devotions. I have worship throughout the day. I'm, you know, I'm constantly mindful that Christ in me, the hope of glory. So a few, many years ago, um, well, 1987, we had gone through a really, really um, difficult time in the church in Marietta. And um, people, uh, we had discovered that there were 13 people in adultery in the church <laughs> yeah. at that time. And we were trying to get out of, well, we weren't trying to get out of the building. We were kicked out of the building. And so we were wandering around the neighborhood trying to land somewhere and trying to find a building. And so, and these 13 people 
What are you doing? We're trying to do a fundraiser, raise money in our church, and you're messing around with each other. And, and one of them happened to be um, one of our elders, and he was also our prison minister, and he was my best friend's husband. And I, uh, through it, I became very bitter and very angry. And um, it began to affect me. It began to affect me physically. I began to have physical problems every time the subject came up. I, my, my stomach would go into knots physically. And, and I, just, I just was really dealing with some real issues. And, and so one morning I was at home by myself and I was in, in kneeling beside my bed. I could take you to the house of where it was. I could take you to the spot on the floor where I was. And, and, and it, it's just as real to me today as it was the day that it happened. And I was on my knees, and I was just worshiping to, I can't even remember what tape it was, and, but it, it had to have been, been something, who was it we used to get our tapes? Maranatha or something Integrity. like that. Integrity. And worshiping to one of their, their tapes, and, and all of a sudden, as I got my eyes closed, all of a sudden, these people that had, had wronged us, they were in the room with me in my mind. And I opened up my eyes, and I said, oh, Jesus, they can't be here with me. I'm worshiping you. They can't be here. And so I closed my eyes again and began to worship, and they were there again. Three times that happened, and, and all of a sudden, I, I, I was getting it, okay? You know, it takes me a little while, but I do catch <laughs> on. You know, I just, I just threw up my arms, and I said, Father God, I can't do this. You know, even though I had forgiven them, and maybe every day even said, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. But it was at that point... It was at that time when heaven met earth, and whenever I surrendered in worship and said, I can't do this anymore, that I felt like God had opened up the top of my head and poured hot oil all the way down, and it went down deep into my soul, and healing took place. Uh And where there was bitterness, there was no longer bitterness, there was wholeness. Where there was anger, there was no longer anger. There was love. Right. And I began to be able to look at those people in a whole different way and was able then to love them in a whole different way. But it took me, it took me a good year. But it was at that time when the word and worship came together and met, that healing yeah. took place in my life. Yes. So, and that didn't happen in a church service. No. It didn't happen on the front row of the pew. It happened in my time alone with God. Yeah. And that's why whenever you hear me say, you got, you got to get on your face before God. Nobody else is going to do that for you. You have to do that. Yeah. And so you'll hear me say that over and over again. You got to get in the presence of God. You got to do that because I know what it did for me set me free. Yeah. And that wasn't the only time. It's, you know, I've had time after time after time after time that, that the word and the presence of God came together, and freedom came, yeah. healing came. Surrender is a big part of our worship experience. Yes. It really is, to surrender. And, you know, surrender is, is by choice, not by force. It's something that we choose to do. Now, God will keep working on us until we choose to do that. Yeah. He's not going to let go, okay? You know, it's like, this, what is it, one of the, you never give up, you never give Is that one of our songs, I think? Yeah. He'll never never let go, right? So he doesn't let go. He's relentless. It's called Relentless, isn't it? Chuck, what's the name of that song? Never let go. Never let go. go. 
<laughs> I knew I was close. I think it's, I'll never, you'll never let go. We didn't say it tonight, though, no, did we? No. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that surrender is a big part of it. You know, the, one of the things that I'm, I, I have learned through the years of ministry doing so much counseling is we're just stressing way out about too much about things we have no control over. And we do it. We just stress out about it. We stress out about stuff we can't, you know, I, one of my things that I do now when people come in, they're just like, oh, you know, I'm just really, this is really bad. And I don't know what we're going to do. And I says, well, what would, what should you have done? They're like, I couldn't have done anything any different. This is what happened. And I said, well, then why are you stressed out about it? Well, because it's not good. Well, you, didn't, you couldn't have done anything different, so I don't know what. You have no control over what somebody else did to you. I mean, why are you, taking the, why are you punishing yourself for something you have no control over? Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you right now. Yeah, so what do we do with that? Well, what we do with that is we learn to pray. And prayer is an extremely important. Now, we talked about the word, the worship. Now we talk about prayer. Prayer is an extremely important part of relieving anxiety in your life. All of us deal with anxiety. Everybody does. Everybody does. And, and, and if there's something we could do about it, we would do something about it. But there's a lot of this stuff that's going on. We can't, we can't do anything about it, at least physically, and so what we have to do and what's our responsibility to do is to go before the Father who, who already knows what we're going to ask him before we even get there. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, I, you, know, you think about our earthly dads. If we were going to go ask for money and he already knew we were going to come and ask and had his wallet out. Or maybe he would already have his wallet put away. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure. My dad would have probably had his put away already. But, you know, it's just he already knows what we're going to ask for. You're not catching God off, God off guard. But we pray for these things, and the prayer life becomes really important because, listen, tomorrow, Melissa, this is a great quote, tomorrow is waiting to see what you're going to do with your faith today. Tomorrow is waiting to see what you will do with your faith today. What are you going to do with your faith today? You'll put your hope in God. We do that through prayer. We do that by going before the Father, and we say, Lord, I put this, uh, we, I give this to you. We had a guy we were working with in Mexico, and his name was Rene. He was in our Bible, our home group, and we loved Rene, and he was going through a terrible divorce, and his wife was cheating on him. It was really, really bad. And he'd come crying in our meetings, and what do I do? And we talked to him about what the Word said. And, you know, he can't control his wife doing what she was doing. He just control what he's doing and how he's responding to that. And so he, we said, Rene, you've got to leave this at the altar. This is not something you can control. And so one week he came in and he said, did you see me at the altar on Sunday? And I said, yeah, I saw you up there. He says, well, he says, I gave it back to the Lord. He said, I, it, it, it's one of those things. He says, I just have to keep, every time I find myself becoming overcome, he says, I just got to take it back to the Lord and give it to him. Brother Hagan came home one time. He needed a certain amount of money. They needed, he was believing for 150 a week, I believe it was at the time. And, and he was coming home and the offering wasn't near 150 it was like $100 or something like that. And he told Aretha, he said, Aretha, I'm really sorry. I, the offering wasn't as big as what it normally would be, and so we're going to be short this week. And she said, well, Ken, don't worry about it because that $100 isn't, that $150 isn't what we need. We need twice that this week. 
And we've all had moments like that, right? Where we're just like, oh my gosh, this is way worse financially. And so, you know, he, so he said, well, he says, uh, we went to bed. He said, I laid there all night. And he said, I got it off to the Lord. Finally cast my care off on the Lord. He said, it took me every bit of the night to do it. But I finally got it off of me. Sometimes we have to work hard in prayer to get that stuff off our lives. Because it's just going to eat you up and you can't do anything about it anyways. And before I read this scripture to you, there's a couple of um, YouTube, well, not a couple. There's several YouTube um, (coughs) videos that you can watch because there's different types of prayers. And, And again, I don't want you to get all hung up into the law of what type, okay, what type of prayer should I be praying here? But, like, there's the prayer of intercession. That's whenever we pray for somebody else. There's a prayer of supplication. That's whenever we're making our supplication. We're presenting our need Uh to the Lord. Um, So there's a prayer of confession. There's, you know, a prayer of repentance. So there's all different types of prayers. But I think Jerry Savelle, S-A-V-E-L-L-E, Jerry, um, does one of the best jobs on teaching on the different types of prayers. And you can go to YouTube and search for him and search for those and, um, and you can find those there. But, you know, because it is important, and it is important to, you know, even there's declarations. There, there's prayers that I write down. Yeah. And I date them and sign them. Yes. Because that, that's a prayer of, of, you know, of supplication that I'm saying, okay, this is, Lord, this is what it says in your word. Yes. And so, therefore, I'm agreeing with your word. The prayer, the prayer of agreement is another one. So I'm agreeing with your word. And, and then, and again, that's where the journal comes in, you know, to go back and to see how many of those have come to pass, Yeah. you know. Um, so let's look at Matthew chapter 6 and verses 6 through 13. And this is out of the New Living Translation. Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 through 13. But when you, go, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in, in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. Let me kind of make a point with Mm -hmm. this one as you're saying that. They thought they were getting God to do it because they were repeating it. Jesus did not say here you should not repeat your prayers. But if you think that by repeating them you get God to do stuff, that is not what happens. Sometimes we have to because we're working the process out in prayer. Mm-hmm. We have to repeat that same prayer. It's like coming to the altar for prayer. Mm-hmm. Look, you came up last week. Come up this week too. Why? You, well, that will undo my faith. I came up last. doesn't matter, mm-hmm. okay? It's not, you don't get healed because of how many times you come up. Mm-hmm. You come up, you get healed you get healing because you receive right. what Christ has done for you. You do that as many times as you need mm-hmm. to. It's a good point. Very good point. So he, Jesus said to his disciples, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Worship. Okay. May your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And again, later on, Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth is thy kingdom come thy will be done um as it is in heaven give us today our food the food that we need and forgive us our sins so there's 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 your asking of what it is that you need for today and and, in food i mean it's not necessarily um bread it could be monetary it could be what is what is the need that you have for today right okay um and forgive us our sins repentance 
as we forgive those have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us be tempted, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And one other um, translation says, or one other place, not in Matthew 6, I think it's in Luke 6, it says, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So this is, this is Jesus' example of how prayer, this, this was an example of how prayer, this, you know, he wasn't saying, pray like this. He's saying, take these points and, and use them as an example of prayer. So, you know, sometimes whenever I'm like, God, I, you know, and again, don't think about the words. Right. When you're, when you're having conversation with somebody, you're not thinking about, am I saying my words right? Okay. You're just talking. Yeah. And that's what prayer is. It's simply communicating with God. Now, remember that in prayer, that in communicating with somebody, it's just not you talking, but it's also you listening. Right. Because it's in that time that God is going to speak. And a lot of times I'll be just, I'll be driving down the road and I'll say, God, what do you got today? What are you saying today? Yeah. And I'll just shut up. And all of a sudden, I'll hear this still, small voice on the inside of me. Sharon, you know, I want you to think about this for today. Have you ever thought about this? I want you to, I want you to speak this word over so-and-so. I want you to call so-and-so today. And so, you know, it, it, it's not just me talking to God and saying, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. It's also me listening to what is he saying back to me. Good. Excellent. So prayer is an extremely important part of this. I guess just as we're wrapping up here this evening, I'm going to talk just a little bit about uh, some things that can really help you move even further ahead uh, than just these three Remember, aspects. we're talking about investing. You're investing in yourself, yeah. right? And one of those is mentoring, getting into a mentorship relationship. And, um, you know, that has a lot of different connotations and uh, I have people that come up and say, Pastor, I need you. I would like you to mentor me. And I'm like, well, what does that look like? What do you want me to do? And they're like, well, I want you to mentor me. Let me tell you what mentoring really is, okay? This is a real simple definition of what mentoring is. Mentoring is, is that you attach yourself to, that, to someone that knows something that you don't know that you need to know. You attach yourself to someone that knows something you don't know that you need to know. Mark has been a mentor to me in finances. And so, uh, I mean, he wasn't for a long time. I mean, I didn't go to him for help. I didn't ask him for wisdom. I didn't ask him how to. But at one point in my life, I had to make a decision that, look, I need, some, I need somebody that knows something, knows how to do something I don't know how to do. And, you know, you can excuse yourself all along the way and go, well, I just don't know how to do that. Or you could say, well, here's what I need to do. I need to attach myself to someone that knows something I don't know so they can help me learn how to know it. And so I went to him. Now, whenever I make decisions, guess whose voice is in my head? That's what mentorship looks like. Joe, Joe Farrell is a mentor to me in, in athletics and working out. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I couldn't go down this week, but I told him, I said, I, you know, Joe, just so you know, when I'm working out, you're the voice in my head. <laughs> That's what mentorship looks like, okay? So here's the thing about being mentored. 
When you find someone, if there's something you need in your life, you attach yourself to people that are already successful in what they're doing. And then you're going to draw from what they know. And that's only going to happen by you asking a lot of questions. Are you with me right now? So just sitting around and going, well, mentor me. You know, well, you can't. You can't even get mentored by a book. You can read a book. You can you could sit down. You could pay money to be in a mentorship relationship. You're not going to be mentored. There are people that go to church here that I've actually mentored because now I'm the voice in their head. When they are facing difficulty, they, they think, well, what would Pastor Jolliffe do in this situation? How would he respond to this? What would he say about it? It's different. Do you understand? It's different. So you find people that are, that are in a, that level of expertise. You know, um, a lot of the stuff I learned about in leadership, I learned from John Maxwell. But, you know, I've met John Maxwell, but he is a voice in my head whenever I think about leadership stuff because I have intensely studied his information because he knows something that I don't know. My pastor, Mark Barkley, he told you guys, I drove him nuts. He threw me out of, I mean, he literally had men drag me out of the room. I remember one night we were in, I think it was Paraguay, uh, and he said, Richard, if you don't shut up and go to sleep, he says, I'm going to have to push your cot out of the room. You're going to have to sleep outside. I said, well, just one more question. (laughs) Do, Do you understand what I mean? Mentorship isn't that you just showed up. Okay, that's not. I got some guys that like, I, guys I say, uh, that say, oh, I want you to people. I want you to mentor me. And I'm like, okay, well, let's get together. And then they're like, oh, I can't make it that day. I can't make it the next day. I can't. Well, that, baloney, you don't want mentored. I don't know what you want. Okay. Well, and, and, the, and the saying goes is that, you know, unless you're hurting bad enough. Yeah. Unless you're hurting enough, you're, you really, you're not looking for help. Yep. So you might think that you're hurting or you might think that you're struggling. If you're really struggling, if you're really hurting, then you're going to go for the help. Absolutely. Okay? Absolutely. You're going to go for the help. And, and again, that doesn't mean that you have to be in pain all the time. And You, you understand what I'm saying. If, if, if I want to get out of where I am, then I need to find somebody who's been in my situation who got out of where, I, where I am now. Yes. And so, you know, so that's why I listened to Marilyn Hickey. Right. That's why later on down the years I listened to Joyce Meyer. That's why Jerry Savelle, I mean, I would listen to him and think, I thought the same thing. Yeah. Okay, how did you do it? You know, and I would listen to his sermons over and over and over and over again. I can, I can preach the, ser- the sermon, shout it out. Yeah. I can preach the sermon, stand and having done all to stand. Yeah. You know, because because I've listened to it over and over and over. <coughs> and, you know, like Pastor said, I mean, you know, Doc Hagen, I mean, he's he's now gone home to be with the Lord. But his because we have listened to his messages. Oh, my gosh. For 36 years. We hear him in our head. Now, what's the one that we the, the one, especially when on. we were real? Well, there was another yeah. one we listened to that he did on um that he did on finances, that he talked about uh, giving. That wasn't El Shaddai, was it? That was the one where he talked about the tomato crop failure. Oh, and the, yeah, I don't know what that, that was. I'm going to tell you what, we got a hold. Yeah. And this stuff is all free online. And, man, I, I'm telling you for probably, I gave it to all of our leaders. I gave it to all of our staff because we were hurting financially. And I said, we're going to listen to this. We're going to keep listening to it. And I listened to that thing probably three, four times a day until that stuff was just rolling. That's what, that's what real mentoring looks like is, is that that stuff now becomes a voice 
in your head because you need, because it's faith that overcomes. Okay, so just stay with me here. Faith overcomes. Not your relationship overcomes with people. That is not what makes you an overcomer because you have the right relationships. You're an overcomer because of faith. And this is the victory, says in 1 John 5, 4, that overcomes the world, even our faith. And so these people impart faith into our lives to help us, to, to direct us. And we draw from them and we ask the questions and we want to learn from them. And I, I, I just, I feel this is one of those edges. If you really want to know an edge, because you're going to go, you could hear that about the word and you can hear that about prayer life and you can hear that about worship. I mean, we talk about those things all the time. This is a deep thing right now, what I'm talking to you about. Because this, if anything, this is probably the, the, the major thing for Sharon and I that has brought us through so much is the people that we have aligned ourselves with that we don't align ourselves so that we can tell them what to do. We align ourselves with them so they can tell us what to do. And I absolutely believe in that. I just do. You know, I, I think bad, bad company corrupts good morals. I think good company increases good morals. And so we got to have the right people speaking into our life and who we're attaching ourselves to. Yep. So um, that's, that's a great lesson on mentoring. And again, you know, if you're like, well, I don't know who to, you know, go back onto Amazing Grace Facebook page. All of our messages are there in this past year. So you can go there and you can listen to all of them. And if you're like, well, I only have like 40 minutes to do this. So speed ahead to where the message starts. Yeah. And then listen to the messages, yeah. okay? And, and again, you know, um, um, find out who's out there that's teaching on something that you want to, to learn about. And if you, do, if you have questions about, okay, is this a good one to listen? Are, are these good people to follow? Come and ask us. Absolutely. We'll be able to tell you because there are some out there that even though they're on TV and even though they're on the radio and even though they're all on Facebook, I'm telling you what their doctrine is, is not good. No. What they might be saying might be good, but their doctrine is not good. So on one hand, you do have to be careful, but on the other hand, don't, bomb, you know, don't worry about searching and finding. So I don't know if Doc Barkley shared this. One of the number one Bible teachers on television right now told believers that they do not need to listen to the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament because that was for those people and it is not for us today. And he is one of the top, the top. And I know you're thinking, well, tell us, tell us who it is. I'm not going to do that. But, but I mean, he, he's one of the top ones. And he's, he's been a really powerful Bible teacher. So be careful, you know, when you're, like I said, when you're drawing into these things, you ever have questions I mean, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but we've got a close. really per, pretty close. good, we're very protective of our flock, yes, believe we me. We are very protective. So the last thing that we just want to say in the closing of all of this, all of this, of This Is Us, because in that, in that series of This Is Us, the one thing that they have is family. Yep. And no matter how dysfunctional they are, and listen, you know, this is our family right here. Right. You know, and I talked about this last year. This is our community. Yes. And as dysfunctional as we are, <laughs> we're still family. And so, um, as, and, and, and in this TV series, you know, you'll have one of them that'll all of a sudden just fall apart and go off and do their own thing, but they end up coming back to family and that this is us. And so, you know, maybe, you know, you're like, well, I'm not that connected in the church. Well, you need to be, and, and, and again, Jeff's not here tonight, but 
you know, we it's his birthday. We gave him yeah, the night happy off. Happy birthday, Jeff. Um, so, you know, um, just find, <laughs> find a small group or you're like, well, maybe there's not a small group in my, be the small group, have a small group mm-hmm. in your home or at a coffee shop or someplace and, you know, and, and get together with other believers. Cause it's like pastor said, you know, what you hang out with is what you're going to become. Right. Right. So if you're going to be hanging out with people that are smoking and drinking and cussing and and sleeping around with other people's spouses or or not even people's spouses or just sleeping around, guess what that guess what's going to happen? That's what you're going to become. But if you hang out with people that are, hey, we might not be perfect. We're dysfunctional. But you know what? We're striving. Right. We're thriving towards. We're moving ahead. Yeah. And, and and so I want to encourage you that get into a small group and 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 again get a hold of Jeff. He's on Facebook. If you don't know how to get in touch with him, get a hold of him on Facebook and find out you know where's a small group or can I start a small group? And I think after after the first of the year we're starting. I mean some of them are still going on. Oh yeah. But some of us have took a, taken a break because of the holidays. But after the first of the year, I think they're starting back up again. Yep. And what we do is we do a three we do three weeks series. And we then, do yes, yeah. you and I are we do here at the church, right? Yeah, and uh, and, and Mark's going to be doing that, so we're going to use his outlines. Yeah, so and we provide the outlines, so you don't even have to study and pull your outlines together. You just have the sheet of paper in front of you, and you go, oh, let's talk about this. Mark said this. Let's talk about that. How. How do you guys feel about that? You know, how do you guys feel about tithing? What do you think tithing is? What do you think, you know, and so just have the conversation. Just re- one thing Jeff says, and I think, I know he got it from someplace else, but it, there is no unity without community. There just isn't. And so if we're going to have real community in the church, which I absolutely believe in, um, you know, one of the things that's happening uh, across our nation, there's a national trend right now. And, uh, you know, because we tend to be, we're American, so we tend to big is better. And do you know that there's a, now a, a national trend in churches to downsize the big churches because they're, they're finding there's no community. And so they will, in some churches, they could have a 1,500 difference every week of new people coming in and out that, in the bigger, in the bigger uh, auditoriums. So what's happening, just like some friends of ours, they're putting curtains up and they're actually blocking off parts of the sanctuary. And they say, we'll never add, we'll never open them back up because there's just no community here with these, the people aren't connected. So big is not always better, right? We need community because we need each other. We are the body of Christ and we're all different. We're all different. And we all bring different things to the table, but what we bring is just as important as what everybody else brings to the table. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand up. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord God, that you speak to us about the word, about worship, and about prayer. Lord, we want to live an intentional life. An intentional life, Lord God, that's growing and thriving (coughs) in all areas. Lord, tonight... Father, I pray for those who might be carrying anxiety in their life, Lord God, because of stuff that's going on, difficulty in their family, difficulty in their marriage, difficulty financially, Lord, um, the difficulty of comparing themselves to what everybody else is doing at Christmas and what they're not able to do. Lord God, I just pray right now 
that you by your Holy Spirit, Lord God, would just begin to minister to each person here, whatever level they're at, whatever's going on in their own heart, Lord God, that you would just begin to speak to them, Lord God. Draw them to yourself, Lord Jesus. We know you're the answer, you're the hope, you're the peace. Lord God, we thank you for that. Let your love permeate their hearts, Lord God. And I thank you for that, Father God. I thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great evening. Drive carefully going home.